0: Amen. All right. Well, hey, yeah, have a seat, guys. Good morning. If you got your Bibles, grab them. Go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and into the beginning of chapter 2. If you're visiting with us, uh, this is what we typically do. We just take a book of the Bible and we just walk through it verse by verse. Um, I don't really have anything to say uh, if I don't have the Bible. And so uh, this is what we do. We just walk through it and we believe that God's Word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it has the power by the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible Bible says about the Bible that the Bible is the sword of the Spirit, okay? Not the, the sword of the Eric or the sword of the Nate or the sword of any other preacher. It is the sword of the Spirit, and so we believe that as we just walk through it and try to understand it, explain it, apply it to our lives, that the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to do the work of God, that's how change happens, okay? Always has, always will, that's how it happens. The Spirit of God using the Word of God to do the work of God. And this morning, uh, we're continuing through the book of First Peter, First Peter chapter one. Uh, we will start in verse 22, and then I will read through chapter two, verse three, and then I'll pray again and we'll get into it. First Peter chapter one, starting in verse 22. He says, having purified your souls for obedience to the truth, For a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever." And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, or therefore, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good." That is the reading of God's Word. Pray with me. Jesus, um, thanks again for this morning. Father, I I pray that we would just be able to continue to worship our way through this passage of Scripture. I pray, Father, that you would please give me words to speak in the moment that I need it. Give me a clear mind and a pure heart. Father, I thank you for the shed blood of Christ um, and and all the provision that lies for us in it. And we look to you again this morning and just ask for your help now uh, to see wonderful things from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, one of the things as you're going through a book of the Bible like this uh, is that, again, it, it, it's a letter. There's a, it, there's a flow of thought. Um, I don't know about you, but like growing up, you know, we used to do like Bible memorization in like little kids' club or a wana club or whatever. Um, uh, you know, at church, and, and, there's, and this is good, like it's good to memorize the word, but we, you know, you kind of memorize a verse here, and then you pick another verse from over here, and you pick another verse from over here, and, that, and that's good, like get the word in you, I'm for that, but um, a lot of times we, we rob the word of its power when we don't understand it in its context, and so uh, again, before we kind of get into the text this morning, we just have to quickly review what we looked at Last week, in that last week, the primary thing that we looked at is the the main call in the passage right before this is God's call to us to be holy as He is holy. And we shall be holy. Why? For He is holy. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Um, That everything that He calls us to be and to do is rooted and grounded in who He is and in what He has done. And last week, though, the thing I want to point out is that we talked, or I talked a little bit about, like, what holiness isn't, that it's not just that, you know, you don't drink, smoke, or chew, or run with girls that do, and that, you know, like, you don't have tattoos, or, you know, you, uh, uh, you do just dress a certain way, or you do just belong to a certain denomination, or, you know, you never drink any alcohol or anything like that, and, and again, that, all those things are fine and well, but that in and of itself is not holiness, Okay, If that was holiness and, and the holiness that God's called us to, then the world around us would be changed because when we live as God wants us to live, it has an impact on the world. Okay, But the world around us, on the, for the most part, the church in America, it's not being impacted because we're not living holy lives. And I think we have an idea of what holiness is, that we just don't do these certain things, um, but it's more than that. And that's what Peter's continuing to roll out here and what we're going to look at this morning It's really talking about getting a handle on holiness. Getting a handle on holiness. What holiness is. And here's what it is. Verse 22, and we'll jump right in here. It's love. It's love. Verse 22, having purified your souls, he says, by obedience to the truth. And what he's saying there is that when we just simply, when we believed in the gospel, how did we obey the truth? We repented. We believed. Repentance and belief, they're not two different things. They're two sides of the same coin. That repentance is turning away from something, that we turned away from what we used to believe, namely ourselves. And we turn towards Jesus, acknowledging that we can't save ourselves. And we turn towards him. But we purified our souls. The Holy Spirit comes into us. We are born again. And he's going to use that word again here just um, in the next verse, in verse 23, speaking of being born again. He's used it once already back in chapter 1, verse 3. But we've purified our souls. And he says, having purified your souls for obedience to the, by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Okay? So circle brotherly love. And then he says, love one another earnestly. Now here's um, something kind of technical. Uh, and, and when I, you guys, when I bring out stuff, you know, like in the Greek and what the original language is, I, I'm, I'm, it's, all, it's always kind of a thing that I'm a little bit worried about. Because I don't want you to think that you need to know Greek to know the Bible or to know the New Testament. It's not, okay? You, you, like it, the, the plain teaching of Scripture that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and that he will change your life and wants to transform you and loves you, all that is here, okay? But there are certain times where it's like it's helpful uh, just to be able to see this stuff, to be able to truly understand what it is that uh, the author is trying to communicate. And here in verse 22, when he says, you know, by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, it's literally the word Philadelphia, okay? Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Ever wondered where that come from? comes from? It comes from this, is that the word literally means, and you pronounce it a little bit different in the Greek, but, but it's literally just the word Philadelphia. And it's this, this idea of just like brotherly love, that we, like we have a feeling of affection for one another, that we care for one another, that like it's good to hang out and, you know, we're, we're boys, you know, we're together. But the very next word, okay, where he says, for a sincere brotherly love, that's Philadelphia. But then right after that, you'll see the word love again. For a sincere brotherly Philadelphia. And then he says, the next word for love is agape. Agape, one another earnestly from a pure heart. And so as he's speaking about holiness, here's the point, is that as he's speaking about holiness, what he's telling us is that what it looks like to be holy is to be loving. But he uses these two different words. He uses, he says, you have, in obedience to the truth, you've purified your souls for a sincere Philadelphia. And, the, and Philadelphia is good, man. It's good. That's something that happened because the Holy Spirit came into your life. You've been born again. He gives you a new heart. And he causes you to love where you did not love before. But that's not like the pinnacle of what he calls us to to be holy as he is holy. He calls us to love as he has loved. And that love is agape. And here's the difference is that brotherly Philadelphia love, there's usually, oh, just the best way I can describe it is just, there's just a warmth to it. Like you you feel it. It's good. And man, that, that's great. That's awesome. And here's the thing agape would include that. Agape includes Philadelphia. But agape, the idea is sometimes there's no feeling at all. Agape is sometimes not only do you not feel warmth, uh, you feel maybe just, and again, just think, just feel what you feel. You might even feel cold or hurt or bitter. But agape is you love whether you feel like it or not. And what Peter is saying here in the text and what he's calling his readers to and to us to this morning is that if we want to be holy as our father is holy then guys we need to learn to agape to love like he loved maybe the best way i could explain it is just simply this is that Jesus Christ said that greater love has no man than this than that he lays down his life for his friends and he went to the cross and he literally experienced the nails in his hands and in his feet, the crown of thorns on his head, being hung on that cross, naked and bleeding, after having his back filleted wide open, the wrath of God being poured out on him, and as people stood by and mocked him, as he is committing this great act of love on our behalf so that we might benefit, as they stood by and mocked him, he says, Father, forgive him." they don't know what they're doing i'm saying that's agape philadelphia won't get you there that's agape is that there was nothing good nothing felt good about the nails in his hands and his feet nothing felt good about the crown of thorns on his head but that's what agape does it acts love does guys love does Love works. Um, Love does not just sit back and think about its affection towards something. There's nothing wrong with that, but he calls us to something deeper, to something, to something better here. And this is what holiness looks like. And so we're gonna unpack this. Peter's gonna continue to unpack this as we walk as we walk through this passage, but I just want to stop for a second. And I just want you to think about your life. And I want you to think about your life in terms of are you holy as he is holy? But now that we've explained this a little bit more, do you love as he's loved? See, many of us might think that we live a holy life, and you might, listen, the only person I'm focused on, uh, believe me, this morning is me, in my own heart, and my own life, and the only person you need to be focused on is you, and your own heart, and your own life. But you might think that you're holy, but I'm saying are you holy in the way that the Bible is defining holy? Not just by what you don't do, but by what you do do. Namely, the way that you love people. Makes sense. And again, that's something that I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to work in your life this morning as we as we work through this. That we're to agape one another, and then in, in what way? Like again, he's saying it in the strongest way he possibly can. We agape one another not just half-heartedly, but earnestly there at the end of verse 22. We agape one another earnestly. That a, ha- a half-hearted love is a half-hearted holiness. And guys, that's not, that's not what, what God calls us to. And I just want to stop here because he, he, he's namely what he's speaking of here. Again, this is to everybody. Jesus said that, you know, uh, you know we love even our enemies, right? Like, we don't just love those who love us. He goes, of what benefit is that to you? That's how the world loves. Of course, the world has Philadelphia. They love those who love them back. But he calls us to agape, to love even our enemies. However, so that's true. But here in the context, guys, what he's saying is the way that we are to love each other within the church. And this is especially for those of you that call Mercy Hill home. The guys, the thing that is supposed to mark us is not our programs, not our preaching, not our worship team, not the fact that we have a building or don't have a building or meet meet here at the theater or whatever. What is supposed to mark us as his people is the way that we love each other. And again, you, you hear me kind of rant all the time about the different strategies that men put in place and... You know, how we, we strategize and, and, you know, come up with these plans on how to reach the world. And the primary plan that God has put in place to reach the world is that his people would love each other with such an overflowing, overwhelming, from the heart, sincere, agape love that the world would, would look at that and go, that, that's not normal. That's just not normal. Something had, something had to change. How did their hearts change? Why do they love? Why do they love like this? And, it's po- and, and the reality of the supernatural love that we are to have for one another is supposed to be a pointer back to God. And that, yes, it is supernatural. And he's going to go on and he's going to unpack that here in a second. But I just want to, in John chapter 13, just to make this clear, so you don't think I'm making this, making this up about, you know, the way that we love each other is supposed to be the primary way that we are witnesses to a lost and dying world. In John chapter 13, it is the night that Jesus t- is, is betrayed. He's just hours away from being arrested and beginning that whole all the excruciating pain of what he was going to go through at the cross. He's having the last supper with the disciples. You guys know the story. He gets up, he ties a towel around his waist, and he begins to wash their feet, even Judas's feet, the one who's going to betray him in just an hour or two. But after supper then, Jesus says some stuff, and then Judas gets up and he leaves, and he goes out to betray him. And then as soon as Judas leaves, this is what Jesus says. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you. What is it? Here it is. That you love, that you agape one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love, if you agape one another. You know, guys, I I actually, um, this past week, if I'm being really honest, and I try to be as honest and transparent with you guys here on a Sunday morning as I can, I feel like I kind of need to repent a little bit myself. Is that because it's very easy for me as a leader to get caught up into, you know, what's the vision? Where's Mercy Hill going? What's God calling us to do? And, and y- y- because we live in this culture of, like, you, you have to have, like, this visionary leader, which I don't think is fully biblical, but anyway. Um, you know, I, to, like, come up with some sort of, like, vision that we're supposed to go after. You know, we're, we want to, you know, make disciples, plant churches that's in our vision statement or whatever. And that's good and that's right. Like, we, we should be doing that. But, guys, I, if you just break that down to, like, the least common denominator, to, like, the, 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 the most core central nugget, of what we're supposed to be doing guys the vision that the Bible sets before us that we're to pursue is that we would love one another that we would love one another deeply from the heart and see what, what I what I'm asking of you this morning is like you know I I said I want to talk about you know getting a handle on holiness and and, and how we do this and the how I don't, I don't know about all the how. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a billion different ways in how we might want to love each other, but, um, but the more primary question that we just need to ask again as we look, each one of us, at our own hearts is just, is, does this kind of love exist in us? Like, is, like do we have any of this in us? I, I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here this morning. I feel like I'm coming across really heavy. Like, like I think it does. I think it does. I think it does. I know that it does. But guys, it's gotta be more. It's gotta be more. <laughs> Christ's vision for his church that he came and shed his blood for and died for was not to create for himself a group of people that show up together and love each other so much that we spend an hour together on Sunday mornings. That's not what he died to create. He died to create a people that have experienced the same grace that flows from the cross and from his death, burial, and resurrection that we are now willing to lay down our lives absolutely for the world, but first and foremost just for each other. Is that God's love must be evident among us. And guys, we are to pursue this. This is what Peter's calling us to, that we would pursue this with all of our hearts. And as we do this, we will be holy. Remember, holy literally means set apart, that we will be different. And so he says to pursue this earnestly from a pure heart, And again, now he's going to give this grounds. Remember, I said that it's it's, this this love that we're to have. It is supernatural, and it points back to God, and it's a testimony to Him and to His magnificence. And here he's going to unpack why that is true in these next couple verses. Because he's, he's going to tell us His seed lives inside of us. Okay, so he says, "Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed." Okay but of imperishable. We have been born again. New life has been brought into you. You are not a Christian. Again, guys, I've been hitting this over and over again. Again, for those of you that, that, that attend Mercy Hill, like I know that I'm being repetitive, but I'm repetitive because it's in the text that we're hitting on over and over again, and that is that you're not a Christian just because you acknowledge right doctrine. You're a Christian because new life has come into you. That's what it means to be born again. And this is nothing that you do. It is a miracle. It is a new birth. That the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to come into dead and dying hearts. This is why, you know, in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, the earth is formless and void. Void. Darkness is hovering over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God is hovering over the surface of the waters. And God speaks. And he begins to create order and life out of chaos and darkness. Paul picks up on that and he applies the exact same thing to our hearts. In 2 Corinthians chapter four, he says, the God that said, 'Let let, let there be light into darkness has also spoken into our hearts to bring about the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's how it happens. And what he's saying here is that the reason that we are able to love, remember last week again, the reason we're able to be holy is because he is holy. Why are we able to love like he's loved? Because his seed, Has been planted in us. We've been born again not by perishable seed, but by imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. Now remember, Peter's writing this to a people that are in the midst of tremendous suffering. They're experiencing tremendous persecution, one of the worst persecutions that the church has ever experienced under the hand of Nero back in the mid-80s, 60s somewhere. And, um, you know, they're they're tying Christians to poles, stick them up on poles, lighting them on fire. They're being killed in the Colosseum by lions. Uh, Just all sorts of vile things are being done to them. And it would look like the empire of Rome is triumphing, that that is what is eternal, that that's what's going to live forever, that the world is going to have its way. And Peter says, no, no, no. All flesh is is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the grass. In other words, the very best of man, not just individually, but, but, but together as a people, no matter what kingdom it is, all of its glory is even just like the flower of the grass. It withers and fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And guys, what he's calling us to here, again, if we're going to love like we need to love, is he's getting to the root question of, like, where does your allegiance lie? Where does your ultimate allegiance lie this morning? Does your ultimate allegiance lie to a kingdom, whether it be the United States or some other political kingdom or, you know, to a job or to a reputation or to a position or to some sort of title, like, no, no matter what it is. Maybe it's the the best of flesh, the best of the world, the best of whatever it is. It's like the flower of the grass. And it's going to fade. And it's not going to last forever. But what is going to last forever is this word, this imperishable seed that lives inside of us. Guys, the word of God is going to have its full effect. And you see, I love how Peter does this. Because he admonishes, he says, be holy as I am holy. Holy. He says, love like Christ has loved you, not just Philadelphia, but agape. But then he comes back around and he says, I'm telling you to do this, but this is gonna happen. It's gonna happen. You see how there's always good news woven into the commands of scripture? Is that we're to obey these commands and we're to pursue them and we're to go after it with intentionality. We're to use our will to to obey these commands, like to love as he's loved, but at the same time, he's saying, it's gonna happen, guys, you can. You can love this way. And see, I bet some of you even here this morning, like as we're talking about being holy as he's holy, you're like, I, I, I can't do that. Remember last week we said, no, no, you can. You shall be for he is. You shall be holy for I am holy. He's saying, I, I don't know, I, Eric, I don't know if I can love like that. And he's saying, no, you can love like this. You can do this. Why? Because the love of Christ has been poured out into your heart through this imperishable seed, this word of the gospel that has come to you. And it, you know, and this word that's inside of you, this imperishable seed, this truth of the gospel, guys, this is what it wants to do. It wants to come alive in you. It wants to cause you to love like Christ loved. You know, we, we, guys, we don't, we don't have to muster something up. Yes, we use intentionality. Yes, we pursue it. Yes, we co-work with Christ to obey his commands as disciples. That's part part of what being a disciple is. Um, But it's inside of us. And it wants to come alive. And man, it's awesome when it happens, doesn't it? You ever seen somebody come alive through the living and abiding imperishable seed of the word of God? Like I was thinking this past week just about people in my life, and even my own life, uh, like when God changed me, I was dead. And I was living for myself. And I didn't care if a preacher told me that I was supposed to love somebody. It's like, whatever, man. (laughs) But when the imperishable seed comes inside And now all of a sudden, you have this desire to do what is right. Guys, it's a miracle. And it's why we need to, as we love, need to be continually sharing the good news of the gospel, that this life would come alive in other people. Um, And so, okay, so here's what holiness is. We love. Here's why we can love, because his word, this imperishable seed, has been planted inside of us. So now, uh, let's get real practical again. Go down to chapter 2, verses 1 and 3 here. Again, the, the chapter and verse divisions, you guys know this, aren't in the original uh, text or manuscript, but we're added later. They're not bad. It's just sometimes we can break things up where they shouldn't be broke up. But he, and he goes on there, the beginning of verse 1, there's the word. I'm in the ESV. He says, so, or yours might have therefore. Okay, so therefore, in light of what I've just said, okay, Here's what I want you to do. Here's what he says. He says, I want you to put away. Everybody say, put away. Put away. Okay, it, it's a very strong, forceful word in the Greek. It's the same word that was used for when uh, King Herod had John arrested. It says that they went and they seized him and they grabbed him. It's the same word that was used when Stephen was martyred. They seized him and threw him out of the city and stoned him to death. He's saying this kind of forceful word. He says, you're to take this and put it away. Well, what's he going to tell us to put away forcefully? Let's look at it. He lists a couple things. He says, so put away, seize it, throw it out. All what? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Okay? Now, so five things... But here's here's something we need to notice: is that four out of those five things, okay? Slander is something we would actually do. It's it's it literally means to tear down or to talk down. It Means tearing people down with our words. But four out of the five guys, what are these? These are all heart conditions. You notice that? These are all things that are not outward. Like I didn't like uh, if I'm gonna do something mean to Neil, it wouldn't be Neil. It wouldn't be right to say I'm maliced Neil, right? Malice is the condition of, of of my of my heart. Okay? Um, if I hypocrisy means to put on a mask, you know, and pretend like you're sincere and doing something good, but you're not actually sincere. You know, if I pretend like I love Tracy, but I don't actually love her, I didn't I didn't well I, I hypocrisied her. No, that's not that doesn't make sense. You follow? My, my point is, is that the things that he's listing here, the things that he's telling us to forcefully cast out are all conditions of our heart. So now he's, again, see what he's doing. Love like Jesus loved. You can love like Jesus loved because his word lives in you. But here's what you have to do. You've got to look at your heart, and you've got to forcefully take hold of those attitudes and thoughts and intentions of your heart that are wrong, and you've got to cast them out. You've got to get rid of them. And if you don't do that, guys, then we are not going to be able to love as God has called us to love. Are you following me? One of my favorite things, you guys uh, know we're doing the E2 course. Um, the E2 course is just a year-long commitment to more of an intensive discipleship training type of thing. And so everybody in the group is reading one chapter a day, five days a week. We're all reading the same chapter, and we're journaling through the same chapter. And we've got a handful of questions that we tell to help people in their journaling. Because it's like, well, I'm going to journal. Well, like, what in the world do I write? Well, we, got, we have some questions, some things for you to look at. And one of them is... Well, so we start out and we say, you know, look for a verse, which is just pick a verse out of the chapter that you read. Um, Then look for the point, try to explain it a little bit. Look for the gospel, look for the good news in it. And then it's, a. and I love the last one, look at your heart. Okay, we call it the look journal. You're looking for all these things, but then look at your heart. And guys, it's so easy to even like this morning, get all this information from Scripture. Oh yeah, that's a good point, Eric. Philadelphia, one Greek word. Agape, another Greek word. And we can get all this information. We got it. We're filling our minds. But we never take time to look at what's going on in here. And what Peter's saying is that if we don't take time to do this and to acknowledge what's going on in our heart, then we're never going to be able to love like God calls us to love. Malice simply means that you desire to do harm to somebody we've all had it my question to you this morning is do you have it here this morning do you have malice in your heart do you want to harm somebody listen guys one of the good things about scripture is is that the scripture uh it's not like we have to pretend okay (laughs) like if you have malice in your heart this morning like oh I'm, I'm the worst person. There's nobody as bad as me. You're, you're just as bad as everybody else. <laughs> Scripture doesn't hold back in talking about the sinfulness of man and the darkness that goes on in our hearts. Do you have malice in your heart this morning? Do you desire to harm somebody? Do you have deceit in your heart this morning? Are you, it means to deliberately attempt to mislead. Do you, are in your heart, are you deliberately intending to mislead somebody, whether in this body or just in the world, somebody in your, in your workplace? Do you have hypocrisy in your heart this morning? I've already said this, but it's, it's literally, it's, it's acting. It's wearing a mask. It's being in the drama, you know? Um, like, you wear this mask and you pretend to be one thing. And again, it's not just about what you do, it's about what you pretend to actually care about. That you pretend to care about people. You pretend to be sincere, but you're not. Envy doesn't need a lot of explanation. It just simply means wanting what other people have. Whether it's their wife or their husband or their life or their car or their house or their toys or their whatever. You want it. And if you had that, then you could be happy. That's a lie. And Peter's calling us here this morning to look inward, at our hearts. And it is interesting that the one outward thing that he lists is this, is slander. And it has to do not with our actions, like, you know, being mean to somebody, beating them up, robbing them, theft, although that would be wrong too, just for the record. But it's it's in what we say. Have you torn anybody down with your words this past week? Guys, that's slander. And it might be hard to hear, but here's the good news. Is that if you know Christ, the living and abiding word, the imperishable seed, it's not going anywhere. Even when you slandered, even when you're still holding on to malice, it's still in you and it wants to do good. And so repentance this morning, guys, repentance is such a good word. Such an awesome word. It's such good news that God allows us to turn. Has anybody ever, I, that spot on 77 just south of Dover and uh, you know where 250 kind of swings around like you're going to the mall and you want to go to the mall but maybe you're you know just cruising down the road and you're not really paying attention and you miss that exit, right? Anybody ever done that? Am I the only one? Okay, th- thank you. I don't feel so alone now. But, you know, and you miss that exit. You miss the 250, you know, kind of swing off and, and go around, and you're like, ah, no. And, and what do you want more than anything? You want for there to be an exit right there, right? But instead you've got to drive all the way to Stone Creek. Unless you pull an illegal U-turn, which I know nobody ever does. Um, but you want there to be an exit right there because you've messed up, because you're now heading in the wrong direction. Guys, the good news of repentance. Is that God, like even this morning, He grants you an opportunity to turn. Like, there's always an exit, guys. There's always an exit. You, you don't, man, you, you might, like, as I listed the man, malice, check, deceit, check, hypocrisy, check, envy, check, slander, yeah, yeah, got that too. Man, I'm, I'm done for. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because God holds out his hand this morning and he's provided an exit. And it's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that right now this morning, in this moment, you can acknowledge to him that what's going on in your heart is not of him. And that that's not what he desires of you. And if you're a Christian, you can say, Lord, this imperishable seed is inside of me. Lord, I claim this promise that it's there. Father, help it to come out. And if you're not a Christian, you can become a Christian right now. Do the same thing. Guys, Christianity, being a disciple, I will give you, like I admit that it is hard. I mean, Jesus said, like, to be a disciple, you got to take up your what? Your cross and follow him. It's hard, but it's not complicated. And sometimes, like, I just don't know. (laughs) Why is this so hard? Because you're not willing to repent and to trust him. Why have I, what I testified to this morning when I first got up here, why have I been feeling thin? Why have I been quick to snap on my kids, you know, and and be overly, because I've not been trusting him. I need to repent from trusting in myself, in my own works, in my own efforts, and my own will, my own ability to fight. That's not where it's at. And God grants us that ability to turn. And so please hear me this morning. Right now, turn Turn to the gospel, turn to the love of God that's been poured out into your heart. So we put away all these things, these attitudes of the heart and our words. And then verse two, like, here, here's what we, that, so that's the negative, don't do this, put away these things. And then the positive, like this though, like a newborn infant, long for the pure spiritual milk. Now, pure spiritual milk, I, I kind of feel like that's a bad translation in the ESV here. It's uh, the uh, NASB, so, or the, yeah, New American Standard says pure milk of the word. That's, the word for spiritual there is uh, the word logikos, which usually logos is, is the word for word. It was used earlier when speaking of the word, like back in verse verse 23. The abiding word, the abiding log, logos of God. Um, so this is just a variation of that. So it, what he's talking about here is the word. He's talking about this book, okay? If you didn't follow me there, don't just hear me. He's talking about this. That's, that's the milk. And guys, do you know All, like this is so good, such good news. Do you know all that's needed to grow as a Christian, to become Christ-like, here's all that's needed, hunger. That's it. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't, you know, have to be the best looking. (laughs) You don't have to be the anything. All you have to do is be hungry. That's what he says here. And for those of us that have kids, can I just get an amen? from somebody, somebody testify, <laughs> that when a baby wants fed, you better feed it, yes? Like a newborn infant, this is how we are to long for this book, I'm just, I, I won't do that anymore, that was like, that was like, that was like from Dumb and Dumber, you want to hear the most annoying noise in the world, man? anyway, sorry. This wasn't in my notes, by the way. Um. <laughs> but like, you ju- like we cry out for it. We don't come to this book, guys, just like, 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 like we come to things in academia. Like we come to it and it, man shall not live on bread alone, but on what? On every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if you want this word to become living and active in you, to, to, that you would grow In holiness and in love, as Peter is exhorting us to, all you have to do is be hungry. And again, here's the thing you say, but Eric, I'm not growing because I'm not hungry. Acknowledge that you're not hungry. Repent of not being hungry. Because here's the thing, all of us are hungry, but here's the thing, we fill our appetites with other stuff. We fill it with binges on Netflix. Ooh, oh! now you're meddling, oh boy. We fill it with the NBA playoffs, man. Every night there's a game on. It's just killing me, you know, right now. We fill it with whatever, and all we have to do is be hungry. And again, notice this: I'm t- the Bible does this. You think like, man, the Bible can't do that? Yes, the Bible can do that. It commands you what you are. It commands what you are to long for. You're to long for this word. And if we don't, then we need to repent of that as well and thank God that he grants us repentance and say, Lord, I want to hunger for your word more. And that's how we grow. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Why, what's going to happen? That by it, you may grow up into salvation. You want to grow? You want to grow up? Hunger for this word, get in it. Get into this book until this book gets into you. And it will happen. Worship team, you can come up and we'll close. And lastly, then he ends there with verse 3, and he kind of puts, puts a ribbon on this, on this section. I love this. Verse 3. He says, if indeed you have tasted, everybody say tasted. Still with me? If you've tasted that the Lord is good. I love that he uses that word, Tasted. He doesn't just say, if indeed you have acknowledged that the Lord is good, or if indeed you know that the Lord is good, but if you have tasted of the goodness of God. Um, Speaking of Netflix and binging on TV shows, uh, Food Channel, Food Network, anybody? Yeah, Chopped. Yeah, Chopped is, I like Chopped. but you know, you sit there and you watch Chopped, you watch one of these cooking shows, and it is funny, isn't it? Like literally, it's just, it's all food all the time, like that's what they're, what they're doing. Um, and you know, it's easy to, it, it's one thing to sit there and to look at this, you know, filet mignon that they're making, or you know, uh, or uh, some sort of crazy, th- Beat Bobby Flay, anybody watch Beat Bobby Flay? Yes, I like that one too. Anyway, you're watching Beat Bobby Flay, you know, he's making some sort of crazy dish over here. And it's funny, like, we can just sit there and we can can watch, we can look, and we can even take notes and learn the recipes and, you know, try to, you know, um, be like this great chef. But in the end, but in the end, all we're doing is watching somebody else create a meal and then usually too, watching somebody else eat it which is a little bit insane when you think about it, right? But this is what we do. And, and I just want to ask you this morning as we close, is your Christianity, is your walk with the Lord, is it like watching Chopped or something on Food Network, or is it like sitting down and eating a good meal? Because that's what God intends for you. Guys, God has not called you to, to a salvation where you just simply have to sit and stare at a screen and say, oh man, that looks good. Oh man, I wish I could eat that right now. Oh man, I wish I could cook like that. That's not what he's called you to. And, 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 and my, it seems like a silly analogy or a silly story, but as I talk with people and at times in my own life, at times I can begin to believe the lie that that's all Christ died for me for was so that I could sit there and just simply look at something that looks so delicious but not actually taste it. Guys, that's not why he died. He died so that you and I could taste and see that the Lord is good. And I ask you this morning that if you feel like you're just staring at a TV screen and just kind of looking at this story of salvation, just looking about the things that happen in the book of Acts, just looking about the joy that people have in the midst of suffering, then again this morning, I just want to invite you just to come and just to turn and to say, God, I know that that's not what you died for. You didn't die just so that I could know about this salvation. You died so that I could taste, experience this great salvation that I have in you. That's good news. Amen? Amen. Guys, Jesus loves you. Let's pray. Father, I, thanks for, I thank you